Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Let me just start by saying this today. You guys have one of these? We all have one of these, don't we? Most of us. If you don't have one of these, I encourage you to get one of these. I love these things so much that I, uh, last year for Christmas, my wife and I uh, bought each other a Bible, and uh, this is the one I, uh, that I bought for her. And as you can see, it says Amber Leanne Randall right on there. And I immediately stole it from her because I love it that much. <laughs> so uh, she goes to read her Bible, and she just sees my highlighting all throughout it. So thank you, honey, for sharing. She has a sharing spirit. But I, I have literally been reading this thing since I could read. Do you know that? Literally. My parents were Christians. I grew up in a Christian home. My father was in the ministry. And I mean, when I got in trouble as a kid, I'd get sent to my room and, and forced to read this thing. And I'll tell you what, even though I was mad when I got sent there and mad, well, why don't you read Ephesians chapter 6, right? <laughs> I would read Ephesians chapter 6, and I would be grateful that that's what the, the punishment my dad had given me. I've been reading it since I could read literally, and I am more fascinated with it today than I have ever been in my life. The more you read it, the more fascinating it becomes, church. Anybody else experience that? Now, I say reading it, you know, it starts with reading it, but you should really learn to study this book. You should really learn to study this book, and if, if that's where you're at in your walk, I'm especially glad that you're here today or here with us online, because that's who we are at Life Story Church. That's who we are. I say it all the time. It's not an accident that you stumbled into this building this morning. It's not an accident that you stumbled across this YouTube page today. It's not an accident that you're on this Facebook live stream right now, church. This is a life-giving book that comes to us from another dimension. Do you believe that? You understand that we exist in four dimensions, and I'm not going to go there today, right? But God is at least in a fifth dimension. It comes to us from him thusly. It's from a different dimension. Well, there's another document that we as Christians, and especially as Americans, should be familiar with. Uh, It's actually a document that is built on the foundation of this book. It reads like this. Can I see that first graphic? It reads like this. Can we see? Does this look familiar? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. They are endowed by their creator. Endowed by who? Or whom? I always get those two mixed up. Endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Why? To secure these rights, deriving their powers from, this is an important line here, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it, said government. Is Pastor Chad going rogue today? I don't know. We'll see. 
We're going to go with the patriot pastor, revolutionary pastor this morning. I don't know. The consent of the governed church. Don't don't let that be lost in you. One of our founding fathers was Reverend James Wise. Many of our founding fathers were reverends, actually, if you don't know. He said this. He said this. Essentially, he said the consent of the governed is the basis of biblical government. Our founding fathers, many of them were Christians. We've heard this, though, before, haven't we? Taxation without representation, right? Taxation without representation. If you haven't got that out of your schooling, I I mean, big fail. Taxation without representation is tyranny. All men are created equal with certain inalienable rights. Consent of the governed is the basis of biblical government. Let me ask you a few questions here, right? Do you consent to dead people voting? Only if they cast the ballot themselves. Okay. <laughs> okay, your government does. Do you consent to non-citizens of this nation voting? No. Your government does. Do you consent to sending $10 million to Pakistan for gender studies while government forces... Uh, forces small businesses out of business daily with unconstitutional mandates. Let me ask you this. Do you want your government to dictate what you can or cannot do based on their opinion, not yours? Based on their opinion of what's good for you? Do you give your consent? Will the I say I and the nays say nay? <laughs> I think the nays have it. I do not give my consent. Thomas Jefferson once said this. He said this, When the people fear the government, there is tyranny. And when the government fears the people, there is liberty. Voltaire uh, was not a Christian, but his words uh, uh, ring true to the founding fathers. He was familiar with the French Revolution, and he offered us much wisdom. He said this. He said, so long as the people do not care. Do we have Voltaire? Let me see this. So long as the people do not care to exercise their freedom, those who wish to tyrannize will do so, for tyrants are active and they are ardent and will devote themselves in the name of any number of gods, religious or otherwise, to put shackles upon sleeping men. Speaking of the shackles, it is difficult to free fools from the chains that they revere. Did you know that in September of 1774, church, did you know that Congress met together and opened their first session with prayer and Bible study? They loved this thing. They opened it with prayer and Bible study. Did you know that in 1787, the members of the Constitutional Convention were having difficulties in framing the framing uh, difficulties in framing of the document, the Constitution? Did you know how they overcame their conflicts and ratified the, the sacred document that we call the Constitution? They took time away from their debates and they went and prayed together. Can you imagine? Does anyone know what the capital of the United States was used for in 1800? It wasn't what happened last, this last week. It was used as a church on Sunday mornings for about 100 years. 
a hundred years, and it was approved by Congress. The study of this book, of this book, was approved by Congress, church, in its halls. We have fallen so far from these days. We have fallen so far from these days. These words mean nothing to the majority of people in Washington, D.C. today, unfortunately. And I truly, not saying that there aren't some there that do, but I say the majority, church. Thomas Jefferson said this of tyranny. He said, tyranny, do we have it? Tyranny is defined as that which is legal for the government but illegal for the citizenry. Do we have a two-tier justice system in this nation? One for the rich, one for the poor, one for the elite, and one for the serf, the citizen? You don't have to answer. I think we all know the answer. I'll give you one more. John Adams said this. He said, our Constitution, our Constitution was only made for a moral and self-governing people. Other founding fathers went on to say it's actually because once the people realize they can vote themselves gifts, then it's all over. They have to have a basic baseline of morality to know better than to do that, or the republic is lost. Are we having church yet? Has church started? <laughs> I've been asked a lot recently, where is America in Bible prophecy? With a lot, there's a lot going on in the world today, isn't there? There's a lot going on at the Capitol. I was there. I've got some pictures to show some of you guys. I'll tell you what, I debated putting them on the thing. I didn't have time now. My goodness, if you guys are wondering where I fall on the whole Wednesday at the Capitol issue, you can find my back and forth on my Facebook feed pretty easily, guys. 99% of the people who were there were God-fearing, sweet, conservative Christian people, honestly. And, you know, was that group infiltrated by Antifa, that sort of thing? Well, we know at least two members of Antifa were there causing trouble. But at the same time, there are plenty of Trump supporters. There are extreme factions and, and uh, uh, you know, horribly unchristian in their uh, uh, white nationalism or racism and everything else, right? So there's always going to be ex- there's going to be extremist elements infiltrating. But I'm telling you guys, I was there. Ninety nine percent of the people, even people up on the Capitol lawn, were singing the national anthem. My my my. So, is America in Bible prophecy? Is what we're seeing today somehow prophetically related? Is a kind of an add-on question that I've been getting to, to lately. And my answer to that today is, well, where is American Bible prophecy? I say one of three places. First theory is we're not in Bible prophecy. First theory I think a lot of times Americans make the mistake of thinking, well, you know, we're the center of the world, so we got to be in there, right? I mean, this is my favorite book. How could it not, our, you know, good old USA not be in here, right? We have to understand that, that Bible prophecy is Israel-centric, Middle East-centric, okay? The uh, tribulation of the end times is all about Jacob. Thusly, it's referred to as the time of Jacob's trouble, Okay, not the time of Tennessee's trouble, right? 
the time of Israel's trouble, okay? So it is Israel's second. So it's quite possible, church, that we're not in there. Now, why aren't we in there? Well, there's, we can get to that, okay? So where are we? Well, here's my second theory, okay? When the Gog-Magog war happens, you can look up Ezekiel chapter 38. I don't have time to read it today, okay? But you can look it up, and I encourage you to do so. You note-takers, write down this. Second theory, Ezekiel 38. You'll find the merchants of Tarshish and her young lions, okay? They stand back as Israel is invaded by Gog and Magog. And they stand back and they say, have you come to take plunder? What are you doing, uh, a confederation led by Russia and Turkey. Have you come to take their oil? Have you come to take their riches? What have you come for? They stand back, okay? So it's interesting. Could, could we be uh, these merchants, the merchants of Tarshish, it says, and her young lions, okay? It, quickly, Great Britain, Great Britain, okay? The Phoenicians, rewinding history, the Phoenicians would get their tin uh, from Britain, Britannia, tin, okay? They would get their tin from there, and they would sail through Tarshish, and Tarshish were the brokers of this tin. And so if, if that, Tarshish, is Britain, then who are the young lions? The lions is the symbol of Britain. Are we the young lions, the colonies? Potentially, we're right there in Bible prophecy, standing by doing nothing as Israel is invaded, Okay? That's, you know, theory two. So we look on, we look on without interjecting into this war. Uh, You know, whether that is due to weakened leadership, a weakened leadership condition, you know, we can only conjecture. Uh, Is it due to broken ties with Israel or is it because of a rapture event? And could you imagine every Christian in the United States just not being here today? What would happen to this nation? Do you think we'd be in any position to help Israel? Do you think this nation would want to help Israel without Christians being here? I don't. My third theory is uh, we're Mystery Babylon. In Revelation chapter 18, John records a vision of a mighty angel descending from heaven to announce the fall of Babylon the Great. Let's read that together, shall we? Chap- Revelation chapter 18. If you're going to be following along in your Bible, we'll look at Revelation chapter 8. We'll also look at Jeremiah chapter 51 and chapter 17 as we move forward. Jeremiah chapter 51 and 17, starting though with Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. Shall we? Oh, I love that sound. Somebody brought their Bible. Love it. After this, I saw another angel with great authority coming down from heaven, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Verse 2, he called out in a mighty voice, It has fallen! Babylon the Great has fallen! She has become a home for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, and a haunt for every unclean and despicable beast. Verse 3, For all the nations have drunk the wine of her sexual immorality, which brings wrath. The kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown wealthy from her sensuality and excess. Verse 4, then I heard another voice from heaven say, come out of her, my people. Interesting. 
Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins or receive any of her plagues. That tells us at some point when this mystery Babylon is upon the face of the earth, it will be possible for the people of God who are in her to come out of her. This evil world system committing fornication with the kings of the earth, which is referenced in Revelation 17, is upon the earth. So is this the USA? I don't know, guys. I don't know. It sounds a lot like the current world government system to me. The horror of Babylon or mystery Babylon, it makes war against the true saints of God in verse 6. And it's, it's often in, interpreted as an end times religious system, church, but it's not limited to religion. As we know uh, from Revelation as well, the one world order will be multifaceted. It'll be government, it will be a currency, and it will be religion. We talked about that a little bit a while back when we talked about the great reset that the global elites are planning for this world and our nation. But this Babylon is a part of a global system, a one-world order, and it must have a religious piece. It must have a religious piece. You know why? Because the beast desires to be worshipped as God. Because that is what Satan has wanted from the beginning. The command to come out of her in Revelation chapter 18, verse 4, is a warning for God's people to escape. The judgment that is to come upon Babylon the great, the kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries, but she is subject to God's wrath, and she will be judged. Her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. She will suffer a quick demise in one day, church. In one day, her plagues will overtake her death, mourning, and famine. She will be consumed by fire, and the great city of Babylon will be thrown down, never, never to be found again. Babylon the great has fallen. It has fallen. Hmm. But whether we are or not... <laughs> Whether we are or not, there are a lot of correlations that we can draw from Babylon. We know that this Babylon in Revelation, as I've taught through Revelation, and we'll continue to do so on Wednesday nights coming up soon, teaser, we know that this Babylon that's being referenced is a future Babylon, okay? It is an end-time Babylon. I believe that after Revelation chapter 3, we're no longer present in Revelation I believe uh, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, speaks of a rapture event. And Revelation chapter 5 puts the church squarely in the throne room of heaven. As we studied through in our Letters to the Church series, you can find it on YouTube for now. For now anyway, right? So that's a future Babylon. There was a Babylon. You know, Saddam Hussein actually was rebuilding Babylon before he was thrown down and executed by the global system that we are currently living in, which includes the United States of America. It was a real place, and there are a lot of correlations, church, I think, that we can draw from this potential future, or not potential, this future Babylon, or potentially present, I should say, future, potentially present Babylon, and the Babylon that was. Jeremiah chapter 
51 verse 1 through 5 is where we'll go next. Verse 1 reads, thus says the Lord, behold, behold, I will raise up against Babylon, against those who dwell in Lebkamai, a destroying wind. This is important here. Do you see that? Uh, those who dwell in Lebkamai. I thought that was interesting. I'd never seen that before as I was studying last night around 2 a.m. or something, right? Lebkamai is a figure of speech. It's a figure of speech. How cool is that? A figure of speech right there in the Bible. A figure of speech is called an atbash in, uh, in Hebrew. A Jew, it's a Jewish device, get this, where letters are substituted for their opposites in the alphabet. So get this. That would be like in English, A would be Z, B would be Y, and so on and so forth. It's a cipher. A cipher right there in the word of God. It means this. It means this. The heart of those who rise against me. Wow. Against those who dwell in. In other words, the heart of those who rise against me. A destroying wind. This is where they dwell. In their hearts, they rise against God. Their hearts rise. Spirit within them rises against God. Incredible. A destroying wind will come. Mm -mm -mm. The east wind is known elsewhere in the Old Testament as uh, uh, the, the, excuse me, the destroying wind is known elsewhere in the Old Testament as an east wind or a siroko. God will use a destroying east wind, spirit or breath, to destroy Babylon. Interestingly enough, in the past, where Babylon was located in modern-day Iraq, to the east of it was Persia who conquered Babylon. So, prophecy fulfilled. But we understand when we study the Bible that nothing is just surface. The Word of God is multi-layered. God loves to show us that what I have done before, I will do it again, and I will do it just like I did it before, so you'll know that it's me. And he does it over and over and over again. There's example after example after example in the Bible, is there not? Verse 2. I will send winnowers, or strangers in other words. I will send strangers to Babylon who shall winnow, or scatter is a better trans translation, her and empty her land. So strangers will scatter her and empty her land. For in the day of doom they shall be against her all around. There is a play on words here. Stranger and scatter are the Hebrew words zar and zur. It parallels with Jeremiah chapter 17. I want to look at that briefly because I told you we would. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 17 and 18 says this, do not be a terror to me, Jeremiah writes. You are my hope in the day of doom. And church, it's no different today. We will not fear, amen? I don't fear a Joe Biden presidency if that's what happens. Do you? Didn't we just get done saying all Christmas long that when God has a plan, what? You remember, nothing is going to stop it, amen? You guys are so good. Good memories. Nothing's going to stop it. Do you know that? When God has a plan, nothing's going to stop us. So we fear not, because you are my hope in the day of doom. Verse 18, let them be ashamed who persecute me. 
but do not let me be put to shame. Let them be dismayed, but do not let me be dismayed. Bring on them the day of doom and destroy them with double destruction. Jeremiah here, he recognizes his enemies as the enemies of God. You understand? He is for you. He is for you. He is for you, right? About to get it again. Get back up here, guys. Come on. Sing it again. My point in sharing this this morning, guys, well, let me do this. Let's finish this out first. Verse 3, verse 3, jumping back to 51, 51. They shall be against her all around. Verse 3, against her, let the archer bend his bow and lift himself up against her in his armor. Do not speak. Bear her young men, utterly, utterly destroy all her army. Verse 4, thus the slain shall fall in the land of the Chaldeans and those thrust through in her streets. Verse 5, for Israel, get this, this is it. This is it. This is, this is everything right here. For Israel is not forsaken. For Judah, by his God, for the Lord of hosts, Though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One of Israel. Did he get that? Israel is not forsaken, even though their land was filled with sin against the Holy One. Our land is filled with sin against the Holy One. And, you know, Billy Graham once said, he said, you know, if God does not judge America, he is going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And I believe that's the truth. <sighs> because that is the wickedness that is among us. That is the wickedness that we are witnessing, church. And that is all around us in our nation. But the Lord of hosts, the Lord God does not forsake you, though in your land you are surrounded by such evil. My point in sharing this this morning is that this is your God. This is your God. Though your land is filled with sin, he, is, he will not forsake his own. This is a character-telling verse, okay? Character-telling verse. It is a matter, it is always a matter of the heart, you must understand. It is always a matter of the heart. What did he say? In their hearts, they rise against me. But in our hearts, we humble ourselves before the side of the Lord. And he will lift you up, church. He is against those whose hearts rise against him, but he has not forsaken you, though your land is filled with sin. Let's keep reading Jeremiah chapter 51, 6 and 7. What's he tell you to do? What's his advice? Leave Babylon, flee, save your lives, each of you. Don't perish because of her guilt, for this is the time of the Lord's vengeance. He will pay her what she deserves. Verse 7, Babylon was a gold cup in the Lord's hand, making the whole earth drunk. That really sounds like the United States of America. Might be leaning this way, guys, I don't know. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations go mad. Whew. Kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Flee from Babylon. Run for your lives. 
Do not be destroyed because of her sins. It is time for the Lord's vengeance. He will repay her what she deserves. She cannot be healed. Let us leave her and each go to our own land. For her judgment reaches to the skies. It rises as high as the heavens. Come out of her. Come out of her. My people, run, run for your lives. Run from the fierce anger of the Lord. Echoed. Echoed in Jeremiah 50 as well, echoed in Isaiah chapter 52. In times of judgment, church, it's, we have to understand this. In times of judgment, this is not a message that gets preached very often, I understand. You, may, you might be thinking you're in a hell, fire, brimstone church right now, right? You're not, we're, we are all the grace of God. Grace plus, faith plus nothing equals salvation. But you know what? God will judge evil and thank God for it because it means he is a God of justice. He's a God of justice. In times of judgment, God separates his people from those who are being judged over and over again in the Bible. Abraham pointed out this truth in his conversation with the Lord before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, far be it from you to do such a thing to kill righteous with the wicked. Treating the righteous and the wicked alike, far be it from you, Lord, he said in Genesis 18. When God judged the Egyptians with the plagues, he made a distinction between his people and those being judged, did he not? Remember the blood on the doorpost in Exodus chapter 8, 9, 10, 11? In a foreshadowing of the New Testament, a command to come out of her, Moses, actually, commanded the Israelites to separate themselves from the family of Korah. Remember, Korah was the one who came before Moses and said, why do you get to be leader? You drug us out here in the middle of nowhere. You took us from a land of milk and honey. Not, you didn't bring us to one. You took us from it. He and 250 others, a couple other men who were named. Just before God's judgment of those rebels, Moses warned the assembly. He said, Move back from the tents of these wicked men. Do not touch anything belonging to them or you will be swept away because of all their sins. So they moved away from the tents from Korah, Dathan, and uh, Abiram. You can find this all in Numbers chapter 16. Immediately following, the earth opened up and swallowed, the, swallowed Korah and the other rebels, 250 of them, all alike. Christians today are told in essence as well through the Apostle Paul to come out of her. That is to separate themselves from the wickedness of the world. And I hope we take this home today. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 17 reads, I hear pages, I'll wait, I'll wait. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 17 Do not be yoked together. Do not be yoked together with those who do not, do not believe. That's pretty straightforward, huh? For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? Verse 15. What agreement does Christ have with Belial or Baal, Satan? What agreement do they have? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Verse 16. 
And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will dwell and walk among them, for I will be their God and they will be my people. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. Oh, church. During the tribulation that is to come upon this earth, when the people of the world will see the destruction of Babylon the Great, this world system, they will mourn the loss of their source of riches and pleasure. But those who have come out of her and who had been persecuted by her will celebrate. They will celebrate. Rejoice over her, you heavens. Rejoice, you people of God. Rejoice, apostles and prophets. For God has judged her with the judgment that she opposed on you. Verse 20. The judgment that you are feeling, the persecution that you are feeling will be opposed on her. So, you know, whether we are, mystery, whether we are or not Mystery Babylon, guys, of the Bible, of the tribulation period, the message is clear to me. And I hope you get this out of it today. It's time that we separate ourselves from the system that so mirrors what God is warning us not to be a part of. Does get out of her mean move to Australia? I don't think you can move anywhere anymore, guys. I think we're really there. I truly believe that we are rapidly approaching a rapture event truly believe that the tribulation will shortly be upon this earth. It's time that we separate ourselves from the system that so mirrors what God is warning us not to be a part of. It is time that we no longer tolerate the wicked deeds done in the shadows. And you know what? If you want to speak out against that, Babylon is going to, per is going to persecute you for it. Well, you should have seen my Facebook this week, I tell you what. All I did was march peacefully and say, you know what, can we, uh, I'm marching on Washington, D.C. because I stand with my representatives who are going to call for a 10-day period where we can truly audit the vote. Sounds reasonable, doesn't it? And that was 99% of the people out there. But you look with this cabal this end-time cabal that the United States and the media are a part of, how they are painting all these good, sweet Christian people. Because that is 99% of them. Do they mention that? They don't mention that. You are in, if you were there, I don't know, they might come pick me up, guys, I don't know. I'm an insurrectionist, apparently, right? That's the world we're living in right now. The president of the United States has been banned from social media platforms, platforms that, that uh, uh, allow him or his supporters on there to have free speech. They're being deplatformed, parlors being kicked off of Google and Apple. <laughs> Tyranny came quick, guys. Did it not? Make no mistake, though, it is upon us. You know, this whole COVID-19 stuff, they always kept saying, New normal, new normal, new normal, new normal. And I'd be like, I refuse that. We're going to get over this, and 2021 is going to be great. We're going to get back to normal. Because we won't, we won't tolerate anything else. Oh, 
I think a new normal is upon us. I think a new normal is upon us. I think these are the days that our founding fathers spoke of in those quotes I shared with you earlier. It's time, church, that we no longer tolerate the wicked deeds done in the shadows by those in the highest offices in our land. It's time. How is human trafficking, better yet, child trafficking, allowed? How is that tolerated in this nation with the technology that we have? I could leave my cell phone in Utah and find it within five minutes, right? There's a thousand people uh, that ran into the Capitol. They know who all of them are because of facial ID recognition. Why? Because they gave you this little cell phone. I don't have it. And they tricked you into thinking, oh, this is cool. If I just look at it, I won't have to push a button. And now they have your face scanned to go along with everything else that you do as if they weren't already scanning and you're building a file on you through your social media accounts. We gave them the rights to all of our personal information, foregoing constitutional liberties in a legal format because we wanted a new app to like put my face on, make me look old or whatever these apps are, right? To get a good laugh. We surrendered our liberty legally to Facebook. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm afraid that we've done a poor job of standing on the watchtower in this nation. Done a poor job of that for people like Sam Adams, George Washington, who bled for us, bled for this, and we traded it for the newest app. How is voter fraud tolerated in this nation? or even left to doubt with all the technology that we have? How is that even a thing, really? You know how easy it is to find out? Or how easy it should be to secure? It is time for us to wake up. Tub thumper, right? That's what they called the old preachers. They'd beat the Bible on the, on the pulpit to get your attention. You in the back, sleeping, right? It's time to wake up. If you're not awake yet, I don't know what will wake you. Honestly, guys, it's time to wake up. Oh, there is a demonic global system that is running our world. And that's not a fiction novel, all right? It is built on the back of slave labor and it's using children as currency. Are you aware of that? There are more slaves in the world today than in any other time in human history. But I thought we fought a war and did away with slavery, and England was before us. There are more slaves in the child trafficking ring. Most of them are children. More slaves on planet Earth than at any other time in history. And you want to tell me there's not a satanic cabal that is running this nation? That's just the facts, guys. That's not me. It's time for us to wake up. It is time to come out of her, and it begins with you. And you say, but what can I do? It begins here. It's right here. What's in your heart? What rises all about the condition of the heart? Are you for or against the Lord? Are you for or against the Lord? 
Where do you dwell? Where does your heart dwell? Hmm. You know, they talk about these great awakenings in the history of Christendom, the first great awakening, the second great awakening of the 1800s, right? Church, it is time for a third great awakening. Amen? Are you woke yet? Come on now. Are we having church today? It feels like we're having church today. A little different, though, isn't it? feels different, too. This is indeed, uh, church, it is indeed... Uh, if, let me, if indeed, if indeed, this end-time global world system is upon us, you should be, I mean, kind of excited, if you ask me, because Jesus is coming soon. If they're, if they're flipping the switch, and it sure feels like they're flipping the switch, Jesus is coming soon. How's your heart? How's your heart? Now's the time, guys. Now's the time. Come out of her. Come out of her. Do not be complicit in her sin. Don't even touch anything that's hers, for you might be swallowed up with her. I'll leave you with this this morning, guys. Oh, we're right on time. All you Titans fans are loving me today. One last quote, guys. I'll share it to you. This was from uh, Harry S. Truman. More recent. We'll jump ahead a few hundred years, right? Harry S. Truman said, Once a government is committed to the principle of silencing the vote of the opposition, it has only one way to go. Anybody want to guess which way that is? And that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Help us. Lord Jesus. Tyranny is defined as that which is legal for the government, but illegal for the citizenry. (laughs) So long as the people do not care to exercise their freedom, those who wish to tyrannize will do so, for tyrants are active and ardent and will devote themselves in the name of any number of gods, religious or otherwise, to put shackles upon sleeping men. So wake up. Amen? With every eye closed and every head bowed, If you're here today, oh Lord, if you're watching this online and the Holy Spirit is banging the gong in your heart to wake up, get your heart right, cleanse out the trash in your life, that maybe these garbage websites and apps and everything has planted into your subconscious to pull you away from God, to pull you into sin. I want you to purge your heart right now. The Holy Spirit is calling upon you to come out of her. Purge your heart of the uncleanliness, of the wickedness, of the satanic cabal, the system of Satan who prowls like a devil, like a lion, this devil trying to find anyone whom it can devour, who will let them, let him have them. So if that's you here today, I just want you to, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're purging things out of your life, if you're coming out of her, if you're waking up today, raise your hand, put it right back down. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord. 
And we say thank you. We thank you for your grace that it's enough to cover even the worst sin we could imagine. We're not worthy of you. Not one of us is worthy to stand before a righteous and holy God. But you've made a way. Lord Jesus, because of your righteous, righteous robe that covers us, the purity of who you are, having taken our debt upon yourself. Lord Jesus, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, go into the hearts and the minds of the people, Father, who are, who are lifting you up to be glorified in their hearts, Father, rather than being against you in their hearts, Father, and saying, Lord Jesus, cleanse the, cleanse the, the worldliness from my life. Cleanse the, the sin and compromise and tolerance of sin from my heart and my mind. Lord Jesus, I pray that those who are praying that prayer right now, Lord, that you would give them, <laughs> give them eyes to see, that their heart, the eyes of their heart, give them spirit eyes to see what human eyes cannot see, Lord, and encourage them, Lord Jesus. For as we see these things approaching, the people of God celebrate and say, oh, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Lord, we lay down our hearts before you. We lay down our, the sin and compromise that we have entertained, Lord Jesus, and we say thank you that the cross was enough and will always be enough. And we thank you for the empty tomb, Lord, because you live, we live, Lord Jesus. Say this prayer with me out loud, especially those who are surrendering in your heart maybe for the first time, that you'd be saved by faith, not by your own works. Say this, say, Jesus... I believe that you're God. I believe that you love me. Come into my heart and make me new. Cleanse me of all my sin. I believe that the cross was enough. I believe that the empty tomb means life. Walk with me all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour favor out on your lives. May you go in grace and prosper in all you do. And all God's people said, amen. amen. We love you guys. Thank you.